faithwire.com. Well, the Freedom Convoy has reached Ottawa and the scenes are incredible, but not everyone is thrilled. Today's Monday, January 31st, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can find us on iTunes. We're here Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you uh, with us. And with me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips and Billy Hallowell, also from CBN's Faithwire. Happy Monday, fellas. What's going on? Well, it's it's almost the weekend. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> it's so close. Yeah, it's so far away. We're almost there. Right around the corner. Yeah. Though, you know, time goes so fast, it does seem like I snap my fingers and, oh, it's Friday morning. <laughs> yeah, it goes fast when you're having fun, Trey. Hmm. I know. I know. We're living the dream, as we, we usually are. say. We yeah. are. All right. Um, this is, speaking of dreams, this is a story I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, not really a dream, but anyway, it's really cool. So it's it's getting a ton of attention over at CBN and our uh, Facebook page. This woman was dead or, you know, presumed dead for about 30 minutes. And she says that she met Jesus face to face. So we'll talk about the details of that story. Oh, wow. We've also got an interesting story out of New York City. Uh, the mayor of New York sharing scripture doing it during a eulogy last week and not just sharing mm. scripture, you know, vocally sharing it on Twitter as well. All right. Looking forward to those stories. And um, we are going to start, though, right here in Canada, where uh, there is a massive, massive freedom convoy making its way across the country. And they arrived in Ottawa and the numbers were huge. You know, the uh, guys, did you see how long they estimated the um, I haven't seen the latest number, but how long the convoy was? Did you guys see that? anywhere i i haven't seen an updated number but at the end of the week the royal canadian mounted police was estimating about 15 miles wow so. yeah it's wow. insane i mean i've seen a bunch of the um uh, and we have a video on cbn news youtube page just showing just like these aerial shots of just man so just as far as you can see these trucks it's just unbelievable uh but they made their way in and uh, it's really interesting guys because this is obviously a huge movement. The GoFundMe for it, um, which was launched by um, Tamara Lich and BJ um, Dichter. I don't know who they are, but um, they launched this GoFundMe, and it's at it's at nine point two million dollars, a hundred and thirteen thousand donations, and um, they Crazy. said they are asking for donations to help with the cost of fuel and hopefully food, because obviously these people are driving across the country. Uh, and it's and they said it's a small price to play pay for our freedoms and et cetera et cetera. Now, obviously, there's a lot of logistical issues there with with that. I think GoFundMe is holding the uh, holding the money right now, but you know, because I don't know how you verify you're in this. But anyway, that's a separate issue. The, the main thing is obviously people. This is resonating with people because they're getting hundreds of thousands of donations. So. Uh, clearly a grass grassroots movement as evidenced by the facts. And yet the media is not so thrilled, guys. Uh, just a quick gander at the headlines on uh, Google. If you do a search, here's a few of them from BBC. Freedom Convoy. Truckers cause chaos in Ottawa after second day of protests. The Washington Post. Canada must confront the toxic Freedom Convoy head on. Um... CNN, multiple criminal investigations underway for desecration of Canadian monuments. Um, let's see. BBC, another one. Freedom Convoy. Ottawa residents, prisoners in their own homes. 
And so you get the idea. This is the tenor of the of the headlines that are popping up right now about this freedom convoy, but uh, which is interesting because the general tone of the media during some other recent protests that were happening that ended up violent in many cases. Uh, this one, by the way, which um, even CNN admits in their article about the uh, quote unquote desecration of these monuments, which we'll get to in just a second, um, they have not made any arrests yet or. Or anything uh, of the nature. They just they just are pointing out. They said, "quote Police observed multiple cases of disruptive, inappropriate, and threatening behavior from demonstrators." Now, inappropriate or uh, disruptive. I mean, isn't that the whole entire point of a protest is to disrupt and and sort of make a uh, make a point and sort of get attention? I think that's the whole point of hmm. a protest. So if you're you're not being disruptive you don't in, some, say. in some way, I would think you're not really having an effect protest. Now, inappropriate and threatening behavior, okay, well, that's that's different. And the main thing that they're centering on there are these, these two uh, monuments there that were quote-unquote desecrated. Now, the first one is um, of a, let's see if I have it here. Um, it's it's of, a, of a soldier, and they, they put... Um, uh, a flag and a sign on him that says mandate freedom. So the, the, the soldiers kind of got his arm out and then they, they put the sign in there look, looking like he's holding the sign. There's a flag draped around, around him and a hat on and a, and a flag he's holding. So, you know, obviously anytime you, you know, you have a meaningful monument, you know, you don't necessarily want to potentially do something like this. And the organizers of the rally kind of denounced it. But when you read the headline, it makes it sound like, I mean, remember, we're coming off in in America, we're coming off protests where they were literally knocking down statues of people like Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) And and those actions were defended in large part by the media, or you didn't get an appalled reaction to it. So it was interesting to see that this was the what the the extent of the damage was again not saying i agree with it but just saying like the headline made it feel like they were out there graffitiing or knocking down these things but uh clearly that's not the case well, this, that, yeah. the statue wasn't really damaged no. it was just they it was put a flag on yes. it and you, you know you could take appropriate or not you could take it off and the statue's fine right. so it was just an it's, inaccurate it's not really a portrayal. Desecration. no it's not right yeah. No, yeah. but that's what... It's uh, a decoration. But that's what the headline yeah. says. And, I, you know, I was right. kind of suspicious that maybe it wasn't as bad as the headline suggested when I read the CNN article, and there's no pictures of what happened to the... of what happened to the statue. or the And the other one, they were standing on the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, a bunch of the protesters. And, again, they weren't doing it in a... You know, not saying it's the action that I would approve of. I'm just saying that they they didn't do anything to damage the memorial you know maybe you could call it quote-unquote disrespectful and you have an argument there but nothing illegal done there and certainly not desecrated so that's why there were no arrests out there um so it's just it's just uh, i what i'm more interested in looking at is not defending or not you know or supporting these actions that were taken to to dress up and to stand on these monuments but more so the media reaction to it which tries to paint it as on part of what we saw you know, a summer or two ago where they were knocking down all kinds of statues of revered historical figures. And um, that wasn't really criticized. So apparently now uh, we value the statues uh, when, when as before we didn't. So it's a, a huge rally. You can see the scenes unfolding. 
We also have another interesting tweet. This came from Canadian official who wrote this and then deleted it. They said, this morning, I've asked the city manager and city solicitor to immediately launch court proceedings targeting the millions of dollars in funds frozen by GoFundMe so Ottawa taxpayers are not left holding the bag for these protests. So basically, the government... You have government officials angling already to try to take this money away from citizens and then have the government confiscate it, which is pretty remarkable. Basically trying to line up for confiscating funds raised and steering it towards the government. So uh, an interesting reaction, guys. Why does it matter? Well, I mean, I think it's just a lot of confirmation on what we suspect from a left-leaning media, which is certain protests are revered and supported and kind of painted in a positive light and other ones not so much uh because so far as best we can tell you know the biggest damage they can point to which they made headlines out of it was dressing up a um soldier a, a statue and then standing on another one which would be at, at worst inappropriate but didn't actually damage the monuments in any way shape or form so um and, and so it's just this general thing that we're facing in the media where you have um, a very one-sided sort of reaction to this kind of stuff. It's a mostly peaceful protest. Wasn't that the line that was <laughs> yeah, used right. last time around right. when there was flames, you <laughs> and, know, and then, overtaking? Yeah, and then now yeah. it's like all fear and concern and worry and what are they doing? And yet there's been no violence at all. And so it's just, but we've got to hear about all the possibilities of it. Whereas before, right, yeah. like you said, all the actual violence was minimized. Well, and and look, you know, these things, they could always spin out of control. You don't know who's going to be involved in right. them. But, but the broader point here is that, you know, you compare the language, you compare the way the media has, you know, basically targeted certain events and excused other events. And it just plays into that narrative that we've known, the distrust that the public has for the press. It, it doesn't help. And I think we're going to continue to see this happen until journalists fact check themselves and realize, look, we've got to cover things fairly and take our own emotions out of it because that's really what, what drives a lot of us. But, but my biggest question about this, you know, if you're going on and on and on for miles, right. With these massive trucks, how in the world do you coordinate actually getting fuel? Like, and what if one of these breaks down? I have so many like strategic <laughs> questions about this that I need answered. Yeah, no, it, it does seem like a logistical disaster because every clip I've seen, it looks like gridlock. And right. uh, which, how which, do you stop at a yeah, gas station? Yeah. Like, well, that was, that was part of the reason why the organizers who created the GoFundMe account thought or believed that the ad meter, because we live well, yeah. to be times when we're going to have to stop and, and buy hotel rooms or we're going to need to fuel up. Uh, and we can't do that if we don't have access to any of the, you know, any of the funding. Um, so, you know, I think I can't imagine the logistical nightmare that already existed and then not having access to the money the that you fundraised. Right for this purpose right. so that's that's a it whole actually, other layer yeah it seems like it makes it worse because yeah you could have like representatives you know on the ground like and you can actually watch somebody fill up their tank right and say oh they're using it to fill up their gas tank and they're part of this convoy whereas if you hold the funds and wait till later now you're gonna have to get people to prove that they were there and that they spent this money on this stuff to, in order right. to reimburse them. So it seems like that would be a much harder task than just while they're actually there filling up. You could have a representative at the gas station, right? Yeah. And I think, too, a couple things worth noting. So just another add-on to the way the media has been covering this. I saw a tweet this morning uh, from a local reporter who is, like, missing the 
the many elephants in the city, you know, missing all of the, all of the <laughs> trucks there. It's like the point is going right past her because she said that she's spoken to so many people who said that they are so like Ottawans are so heartbroken because th- this protest has caused more damage than the lockdowns have because now they can't get out to go to a restaurant oh, or go anywhere because the street the streets are so filled. And one of the uh, supporters of the protest responded and said, "My, I just can't imagine so hard." So hard that for two days you won't be able to walk to a restaurant. Uh, when in reality, if you're not vaccinated, that's what you're living with so every day, right? Now, you, right, yeah. It's, you, so uh, then another thing that I want to mention: there's a new poll that came out over the weekend. It's crazy to see the opinions of Canadians switching literally within days. Uh, so now 54% of majority of Canadians now say it's time to end COVID restrictions and leave the responsibility for isolation up to those at risk individually to take responsibility. We don't need the government to be mandating this stuff. That's up from 40% mm. at the beginning of January. So that, uh, literally just two weeks, three weeks time. Uh, and it's gone from 40% saying it's time to end the mandates to now 54% of Canadians in this one poll saying it's time to end mandates. So it seems like the the tenor of this discussion is in the direction of the convoy truckers. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. All right. Story number two. So this is a pretty incredible story. Uh, it was just published by CBN News uh, today. We have it up on our Faithwire Facebook page, and it's getting a whole lot of traction. So this woman's name is Tina Hines, and this happened to her in February of 2018. Her husband called 911. Uh, And she was unresponsive. She was not breathing. They thought she'd had a heart attack. They weren't sure what was going on. Uh, But she, like I said, was not responsive. Uh, So they got paramedics to the scene. uh, And Brian, her husband, recalls saying, I thought she was dead. Uh, because he said while she was wait- he was waiting on paramedics to arrive, he started doing chest compressions, tried to give her mouth to mouth, tried to, you know, anything to get her heart to beat, uh, and it just would not happen. Uh, and he said first responders arrived at the scene, paramedics administered two rounds of epinephrine and shocked Tina's heart. Brian says they did it a third time, and I'm looking at them going, guys, is her heart beating? Can you get her heart to beat? Please, God, make her heart beat. Uh, still, though, her heart was not beating and she was rushed to a nearby hospital uh, and paramedics continued during the ride to try to resuscitate her. Uh, she, the injuries that she sustained when she fell included a gash on her forehead, a cracked sternum and several cracked ribs uh, from the CPR. Uh, and with no sign of life after more than 20 minutes, she was finally almost to the hospital. Uh, and Heinz's neighbor, he was outside and, and had seen a lot of the a lot of stuff that was going on. He said, "In my mind, I knew she was dead. There was nothing they could do." Um, but family and friends uh, began to come into the waiting room and they prayed for for Tina and they just hung out with Brian. Uh, and Brian said, it was a prayer of desperation. I said, "God, take everything from my life if you'll give me back Tina." Uh, so there are a whole lot of details that went on in this story, and you can go over uh, to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com, and you can, you can read all of the details. But after 28 minutes of trying to get her back, I mean, doctors at this point were, you know, just close to half an hour. Uh, they're thinking this is probably, you know, th- th- there, there's no use in us continuing to do this. Um, but then after, like I said, 28 minutes, she finally woke up. 
and they put her into a medically induced coma. The doctor said this is crazy, but they put her into a medically induced coma to let her body rest and, and recover while they ran tests to see how did this happen. We need to make sure she's going to be okay. Run tests on her brain to make sure uh, there's no brain damage that they suspected that was likely. They, the doctors told Brian, your wife is likely going to sustain some serious brain damage because of this. Uh, but she eventually woke up from the medically induced coma and showed no signs of, of any brain damage. It took her a little bit of time to come to, but uh, she kept saying, it's real, it's real. Uh, and he, Brian was like, what, you know, what are you talking about? Uh, and after going through a few questions, trying to say, well, what's real? He said, is heaven, is that what you're talking about? And she said, it's real. Uh, and then talked about how she actually says that she saw Jesus uh, and, and, you know, was in heaven for that brief period of time. Uh, and, and now she's completely healthy. No brain damage whatsoever. This happened in 2018. Obviously, she's completely well. Uh, she's actually training right now to be in a half marathon uh, later this year. Uh, and this is what she said recently to CBN. She said, God is real in my life. Jesus is real. Heaven is real. I know that God can use every situation to make us who we are uh, in Christ uh, so just an incredible story of this woman who suffered some sort of cardiac arrest episode uh, and was essentially dead for about half an hour uh, and is saying now that she met Jesus, saw Jesus face to face and is now completely healthy. So it's like there, there's a list of miracles that happened in a very short period of time. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful story of how God can use the most incredible and and seemingly devastating circumstances, uh, and turn it around to bring himself glory, uh, and and it proves too that all things work out for the good of those who are who are in Christ, right? Because whether she had actually died or she came back to life as she did, or you know was 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 resuscitated like she was, God still would have gotten the glory, and she would have spend eternity with Christ. Like, you know, so regardless of the outcome, uh, all things were going to work together for her good and for God's glory. Uh, and this is just, I think, a beautiful reminder of that. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, always interesting to hear these tales and, um, I, you know, again, I, you know, not to be the Debbie Downer, but I do, I do think, uh, you know, there's questions about what is actually happening there because, um, you know, John three thirteen says no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Hmm. John one eighteen says no one has seen God at any time, and there, but there are you know accounts of visions of heaven. I think Isaiah, Ezekiel, right, and Paul and John again all had such visions, and so so it's a little different. And you know, the one thing I'll say is that it seems like whenever somebody you know like Isaiah, for example, encounters God. What is the impression? Like, like, are they just like, oh, it was neat. Like, it was, oh, it was there. Like, woe is me, right? There's this immediate sense of, oh my gosh, you know, I am, I am not worthy. I'm a sinner. I, you know, it's like that is a sort of recognition. So, um, so anytime I'm hearing these claims, like that's sort of what I'm wondering, you know, exactly what did happen. Like, clearly something happened, but what was it exactly? So, um, yeah, you know, so I, so I think of those verses and those examples when, when these stories pop up. And I want to, Billy, before you jump in, I just want to say a correction. I misspoke. She didn't say it's real. She wrote it down very shakily on a piece gotcha, of gotcha. paper. Uh, and, and her husband was trying to decipher what it was she was writing. And he eventually figured out she wrote it's yeah, real. Yeah. And then that's when she asked all the questions. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. And that John verse, I would love to have a theologian come on and discuss John 3.13 because 
it it sounds like nobody is ascended into heaven, right? Like, what is that? You know, where are people then? Is that, yeah, there's a whole debate about, about that too, right? Like what what are people seeing? Is this, is this the pre heaven, you know, are they referring to the final heaven and earth? Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it's super interesting, but yeah, I mean, I've covered so many of these stories and I will say they're compelling and intriguing and, um, there's some, you know, we were even talking before the show, uh, cases where you hear things where you say, well, how could that person have known any of those things unless right. they had at least had a vision. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a fascinating, um, discussion and debate and it does, you know, you wonder, does God give people this experience no matter what it is, right? The vision, or they're actually visiting a place so that they can come back and share it and create the exact mm-hmm. conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. <laughs> you just wonder, yeah. you know? Yeah, indeed, indeed. But uh, certainly glad, though, that she's okay, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. For sure. All right, that brings us to another story that, in so many ways, is heartbreaking. And, and we've talked about this on the show, but obviously, the two NYPD officers who were killed a couple weeks ago, uh, the funeral unfolded for one of those officers, Jason Rivera, on Friday. And, you know, there was the sea of blue. There were thousands of police officers. I've actually talked to one officer who was there. Um, just amazing, incredible scenes that unfolded there, paying respects to Jason Rivera. But one of the things that happened that didn't get a lot of media attention um, was that the mayor, Eric Adams of New York City, he's the new mayor, he decided to include scripture in his eulogy of the police officer. And in particular, John 15, 13 And let me just read what he said. He said, it takes courage to put on a uniform and a badge to answer the call to serve the cause of justice in every sense of the word. Then the mayor went on to say, quote, this is a biblical moment. Scripture states, greater love have no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, that's obviously a very well-known scripture. Again, it's John 15, 13. But, but the mayor didn't just include it in his eulogy. And again, this is New York City. So, so this is actually really noteworthy for, for a lot of reasons. Why does it matter? Well, it's New York City, a place that usually makes headlines for non-biblical things. And so... Yeah, they went on to the New York City Mayor's Office Twitter feed and they specifically, the city, pulled that portion of the tweet out. And it's pretty incredible to see. Uh, it says, you know, here they, they pulled out the just the verse itself. Scripture states, greater love hath no one than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. And, you know, like making that decision to put that out there in a city like New York is pretty incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah, just it was pretty inspiring to see, and we we wanted to note it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. no, it's yeah, it's totally. really it's, sorry, Dan. I was just gonna say that it's it is really cool that it happened uh, in the city and in the culture that you you were talking about in in New York. Uh, so, and it's always great when you see a a, a public leader, pol- politician, celebrity, whoever, uh, who is using their platform to highlight scripture, uh, because you know the the best thing that we can use our 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 influence for is to point others to, to Christ. So yeah. that's that's really encouraging. Yeah, and you you really can't understate that because I mean I've been at actual funerals before where there's less scripture than that mentioned yeah right right. and so uh you know um obviously in this wake of this tragedy you want people uh getting pointed to christ and so hey if it comes through the new york police department uh twitter account then (laughs) 
We'll take it. We'll take it. So. Well, it, it's it was the official city account. Right? Yeah. So that's a much broader account. And, yeah. you know, that that particular scripture points us back to Jesus. Right. And mm -hmm. him laying down his life for us. So obviously it's being used in the context of Jesus laid out what true love and friendship looks like by stating that. But, man, what an yeah. amazing reminder. Amazing stuff. And that's all the time we have for today. We will be back here tomorrow. God bless. See you then.